of filibuster the black and red united podcast i'm adam taylor i'm joined by ben bromley and jason anderson tonight we're here to preview dc united sunday night game against orlando city uh they will have their first double game week of the year this week as they follow up thursday night's affair against the chicago fire with a sunday night visit from orlando city uh if you can't get to buzzard point to watch it you can see it on NBC Sports Washington or Teleexitos online at dcunited.com if you're in the area, ESPN Plus if you are uh, in the hinterlands. We will get to that game in just a moment, but first we have our traditions here. Jason Anderson, what are you drinking? Uh, we're in the grips of some sort of incredibly stupid gas panic um, <laughs> that uh, is afflicting. Which is now ending. Right. Entirely um, self-imposed and short-lived, yes. Yes, uh, but since I have to drive to the stadium tomorrow night and back, and my tank is kind of low, uh, I was going to go get some gas now, or after we finish recording this, um, so that I can be sure I'm not like pulling into a station on empty uh, and having to like, push my car into the service station to get gas. So I am not drinking an alcohol uh, beverage. I am drinking a seltzer. <laughs> no, do not drink gasoline. Uh, that's just my my personal life advice for all of you. Hey, Did Jason, you put the gasoline in a plastic bag and you're drinking that's exactly it out of the plastic bag? Ask. No, the conveyance is irrelevant. Though I will say that drinking it out of a plastic bag it's is not irrelevant. Worse. Some it's, some it's conveyances worse are worse than it. others. Yeah, I would say if you're putting it in a bag to drink it, that's making things worse. Um, but the starting point of drinking gasoline from any conveyance. No matter how how much of a, a bejeweled chalice or just a gas can or you're siphoning it or out of a plastic bag or anything else you can cook up, don't uh, don't drink the gasoline. Uh, I'm just I picturing I, Harrison Ford saying, that's the cup of a carpenter and dipping it in gasoline. Well, it, then he chose poorly. <laughs> or saying, this is my conveyance. <laughs> First drafts of movies. Ben, what are you drinking? Um, I'm Wait, Jason, hold a... on. Did you say you were drinking water or you just said it was not alcohol? Sorry, no, I, I realized we didn't finish, seltzer. so I had to go back. It, it, no, 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 I did finish, seltzer, but you Adam. stepped on it. I said grapefruit I seltzer. heard it. Okay. I heard you, it. It got stepped on because I didn't hear it. So, By ben, you now then, that I've stepped on I you. I heard it. No, you stepped on it and I couldn't hear it. So now that I I've didn't. stepped on you in turn, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, bourbon and vanilla uh, vanilla Coke Zero, but I also have a slight rant about vanilla Coke Zero and vanilla Coke in general. Just like Coca-Cola Company, please just make vanilla Coke more accessible. I can only get vanilla Coke Zero in cans. It's not in two liters. And like regular vanilla Coke is also just in cans. It's not in two liters or other formats. Just like... Give me vanilla Coke in the formats that I want it. That's all. Coca-Cola also, if you want to sponsor this podcast, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We'll, we'll take even just vanilla Coke. Coke, even if just vanilla Coke wants to sponsor this podcast, we I will be that's, a vanilla Coke stan. Fine. I mean, I already am so, one. I think so. once you're getting paid, it's a shill. 
not a stan. I'll be a mm. shill. I don't care. <laughs> uh, as for me, I uh, am keeping on my uh, aping Matt Doyle train, and I have a, a Mezcal Negroni here. Uh, it, it's not a tequila beverage, but it is a clear liquor beverage. Uh, normally made with gin, I, I made mine with with some Mezcal and then a couple of Capitoline products from D.C. Their Tiber, which is a um, Campari substitute, and their, their Rosé Vermouth. Uh, and it's it's a tasty drink. Yeah. I actually had a, a, a relatively new peeler that I used to peel the the onion or not the onion, the orange. That makes me yeah. way more sense. Okay, so now I have to tell. <laughs> all right, so Adam accidentally saying onion um, during during a period of time. Since we're only doing one segment, I feel is this a Grandpa Simpson story? No, no. This Did is you a... wear onions around the belt because no, this is a getting time. wild drunk at noon on a Sunday story. Um, but, uh, I had a friend that bartended, uh, Sunday brunch. And one of the things at their, uh, bar that they liked to try and do was to come up with the worst drinks they could come up with that were not poisonous or like, you know, rotten meat thrown into food. It was just like, we're going to take real bar ingredients and combine them into drinks and see what the worst thing is. And a repeating, you mentioned Campari, Adam, a repeating thing was that, Campari kept getting ending up in these drinks somehow. Yes. So one day we're sitting bitter. around. Right. And 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 also we're like 24, 25. Like we don't have taste for that kind of thing. We haven't developed yep. that palate yet. So one day we're sitting around and we're talking about the fact that Campari keeps being on the ingredients of this list that they are maintaining of these these terrible drinks they've invented. And this guy comes walking in and he's clearly a customer who's sitting at the patio and he wants to make an order. So we shut up so he can you know, our friend can get back to work and we're not trying to talk over him and and screw up his day. So he's ordering for the whole table and he orders four pretty customary brunch drinks. And then for himself, he orders just Campari on the rocks. And everyone is just like, we're trying not to blow up and laugh at him, but everyone's (laughs) clearly giving away that something has happened. And he knows that something has happened, but we're not laughing. So it's not obvious. And we don't want to give up our secret. And he didn't want to ask. So we just left it as very awkward. And so to and until day, until today, I hear, Campari, it I hear Campari on the rocks and just everyone is like head in hands trying to keep it together and failing. When I was in my early to mid 20s, uh, we would go to a bar in Richmond on uh, Wednesday nights, uh, pour one out for Commercial Tap House, the original Commercial Tap House, a great bar that is no longer around. And on Wednesday nights, they would have a mystery beer night. And mystery beer night was, uh, for $2, you could get a pint of mystery beer, which was whatever beer they were trying to kick the kegs of mixed with, uh, we think, legend lager. But it was just like a couple of beers just mixed together. But it was $2 for a pint. So we were just like, yeah, we're in our mid-20s. We are... uh, 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 cheap noobs we will drink this and it's like it was a place where everybody knew our name we just had a great time going there all the time like when the when it closed down we were there to close it down and it was never awful it was sometimes questionable but it was never awful i'm glad it was never awful my grimace i was making for the almost the entire duration of of that story did not come through on the audio but i needed to uh (laughs) 
<laughs> to to convey that. Um, I think that's enough of that. Let's get to it. Julia Poe covers the Lions for the Orlando Sentinel, and she's been kind enough to uh, volunteer to join us tonight. Julia, welcome to Filibuster. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, we have a tradition here. I've got to start the the interview by asking, what are you drinking? I'm drinking water. I'm catching up on not drinking all day, so I'm trying to get my quota in by the end of the day. TikTok tells me to hydrate all the time, so. Got to do it. And and you've had a very busy couple of days we were talking about before before the show. So I think you you've earned the hydration break down there in Orlando. Um, let's start with that that news. There've been rumors for a little while now, but you broke the story today that Flavio da Silva has agreed to sell his majority stake in Orlando City to the Wilfs, who uh, own the Vikings and are a minority owner in Nashville Soccer Club, at least for now. Um, Walk us through the sale and, and what it means. Yeah, so so this has been, like I said, a, a long time coming for both parties. The Wilfs have been wanting to get into soccer since Minnesota United came in back in 2015, I believe. Um, and Flavio on the Orlando City side has been open about the fact that he was planning on selling the club and kind of switching his focus over into philanthropy by the time that he turns 50 next year. So we knew that this was coming on his side. We knew that the Wolves were interested and these two parties have been in conversation for about two years now. So this has been a a very long process of getting them to this point. Um, And there, there were a lot of moving parts, obviously a lot still to be done. The Wolves have to cede their minority stake in Nashville in order to make this um, uh, in order to make this happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's just kind of been a, a slow moving process. And like you said, there's been bits and pieces reported out over the last few years, but it really, really did not fully come together until the last few months when they were able to get it over the line and then get it over the line this week fully. Uh, how much do you think Flavio is making off of this deal? You, you mentioned he wants to get into philanthropy. Is he making a, a significant a chunk of change off of this? Yeah, so the estimated kind of number that we're looking at for the sale, I mean, it's it's a big sale. Uh, part of that is the fact that it's it's not just Orlando City. It's Explorer Stadium. It's the Pride. This is a right. really big package that's coming with like real estate and everything. So um, it, it's a pretty big sale. And part of that process was actually getting a minority owner to sell back to Flavio so that he could sell the entire package of the entire club mm, okay. in one in one fell swoop. So this is a, a really big sale for him personally. It'll set him up for, you know, like I said, kind of those plans that he had of what he wanted to shift into doing next year. And for the Wilfs, you know, this is familiar territory for them. This is a familiar um, level of investment that they've been willing to make, not just into MLS, but into women's soccer as well. They They were very keyed into getting into the NWSL, which I think is part of a pattern for those of us that cover the women's side of the game. That's a pattern we've seen with pocketed investors wanting to get in and kind of get in on, on the ground level uh, for the women's game as well. Uh, Julia, looking on the field, you know, Orlando last year had obviously their best season in club history. Um, getting to the MLS's back final, getting to the playoffs, you know, kind of, flipping flipping the script for themselves uh over their history um 
so obviously they want to build on that. What coming into the year, what have they been emphasizing as a thing that they need to maybe improve upon from last year? And have they done that so far? Yeah, so um, Coach Oscar Pereja is known for loving a theme. He loves a good theme. Um, so last year, I'm sure a lot of folks are familiar with the protagonism theme um, that he was very big on with the team. And obviously that's still staying. That is still the mantra of this team. But the big focus this year has been continuity. You'll hear that word all the time from Oscar, from all of his players. And um, the idea of that is pretty simple. They only let go three or four players from last year. They kept the rest of the roster. That's the first time that Orlando City has ever done that in their MLS history of having that many guys come back and, you know, just recognize all the faces in the locker room. So a lot of it is just trying to improve consistency in certain areas. Um, for instance, they didn't have as many shutouts as they wanted last year. Their, their goal production fell off a little bit at the end of the season. And so a lot of that is trying to make more consistent the things that they were able to do in small sample sizes of the season. There were periods where you could not stop Chris Mueller from scoring, when you could not stop Daryl DK from scoring. And now this season, what they're looking at doing is trying to get that more consistent across a full season rather than kind of having those dips and valleys. Part of that was an injury thing last year, but part of it is just kind of having an extra season to gel and really fully get that together, especially with how hectic last year was. I mean, the pace of that season was just brutal last year. So Oscar Pereja is someone that that I, and I think a lot of people in DC and around the league have, have admired as a coach going back to his days with, with FC Dallas, where he was able to turn them into a team that competed for and won trophies while integrating young talent. Um, how is, is he taking a similar approach at Orlando or is, is he changing things? Um, I also want to shout out that this game is the first El Profe versus El Profe uh, matchup of the year. Um, between Hernan Losada and, and Oscar Preja. And I'm, I'm excited to see that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it's a little different um, with Orlando because, you know, you think about Dallas and Oscar built that youth program. So he built the youth program, left for a little bit and then came back and was coaching kids that he had been coaching since they were, you know, coming up to like his rib cage, like just growing them into full grown professional soccer players so it's a little different here because he's not coming into his own built-up youth development system that he had his hands on for years. Other than that, though, it's Oscar's a really person-first coach, and so a lot of what makes him successful at the youth level is what has also made him successful at the first-team level. He's just really good at getting guys to buy in at a ridiculous, a ridiculous level emotionally as well as physically. And... Um, I think a lot of what folks got used to in Dallas is what you're seeing in Orlando city. And, you know, he is buying in at the youth level. He is hands-on with the expansion of their youth program. Since he didn't have that background, you're not going to see the fruition of that for a while. It's going to take a bit, especially with how Orlando city didn't really prioritize that for a while in their past. But once he gets kind of a little deeper in that and has more time with it, then yeah, you're going to start seeing that production from the youth level as well, like you were talking about. So yeah, uh, Julia, we were talking about uh, 
the 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 team's attack the, the uh Orlando City has uh shipped out at least temporarily uh Daryl DK uh they just shipped out today uh Dom Dwyer uh to Toronto um what uh, how is that attack going and we'll come back to DK in a minute uh but how is that attack going is 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 Nani the focus it, uh who? What are they doing to uh, make up the goals that uh, Daryl DK isn't isn't bringing right now? Yeah, so they're in a little bit of I think a tougher spot than they expected to be in to start the year in terms of the attack. Um, they, like you mentioned, they let Dom Dwyer go at the end of last year. Um, so that was you know a goal scorer that they were used to having around that they don't have anymore. They brought in Pato, expected him to kind of fill that void for a very low salary given his background um and he hurts his knee and has to have surgery after the the home opener um so they're in a little bit of that spot where they're back to relying on nani um which is a familiar spot especially in 2019 that was very familiar for a lot of fans he led the team in scoring but i don't think it's a place that they can allow themselves to stay in very long last year even though he scored less goals than in 2019 i thought actually nani had the, a, a much better season because he didn't have to carry the attack in terms of goal production. So he could be creative. He could have some of that, you know, spicy risk taking that everyone loves watching. Um, he could score some real, just beautiful bangers, but he didn't have to be the guy every game. And right now they're in a position where Nani scored three of their five goals this season. And the other two goals came against FC Cincinnati, a team that has not proven that it can defend uh, so far this year. Uh, like I don't or any that, year. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want that to be too disrespectful. But I mean, that was coming off of a five zero loss to New York City the week before. It's just you know not a great gauge of their goal scoring. So when you look at where they're at right now, they need to get their Chris Mueller's going, especially Chris going. They need to get Benji Michelle going. They need to get some of these other players who don't score a high volume of goals but can get a few in a season. They need to start getting them featured in more because right now they're relying on their goal production to come from Nani scoring, I mean, ridiculous galazos and he's doing it, but you can't rely on him to do that every single game. He has to be able to take a game off. And especially in a season where Oscar Preha came in saying that he wants to rest Nani more. He wants to be able to let him take breaks so that he can stay fresh. You can't be expecting him to play a full 90 and score your game winner every game. So that's kind of the bind that they're in right now. That said, DC United have been in some games that have involved some proper bangers. So someone's going to score one. I feel like in this game, I have faith. Is there a following up? Is there any chance that Daryl DK comes back or is he a guarantee to be sold? If not to Barnsley somewhere in Europe. Yeah, there's definitely a chance that he comes back for a bit this season. I would be surprised if he finished the season in Orlando, but a lot of the conversations that I've been having with folks have said that the goal is kind of to bring him back until the summer transfer window. Um, So that is, again, that does not mean that you can plan your offense around him. That means that he's a bonus that's going to come in for maybe a couple of months if you're planning that way. Um, on the bright side, that would mean that within the next month, they would get him back and he could at least hold them over until Pato um, is, you know, 
hopefully better and back on the field and hopefully his recovery goes smoothly just for the sake of him as a person. Um, but it does still put you in that position where they've been very clear that once they get that offer at the number that they want, they're letting him go. They're, they're not going to hold him back. They know what his goals are and they know what their valuation of him is. So it's one of those things where they came into the season knowing that they had to plan around Daryl potentially not being there anymore. And at this point they need to course correct because if he's not there and if Pato can't fill the void of that, then that means that they either need to start producing a ton of goals from someone else on the team that's already there, or they got to go out and get someone else. And I think a lot of fans right now are very, very stressed about that decision and just want to see that decision made in one way or another. Uh, you know, looking at Orlando's roster, there are obviously people are going to talk about Nani and Mueller with the national team. DK now as well has done everything he can to get as much attention as he possibly could. Um, but I, when I've thought about them over the past couple seasons, one player that's kind of stood out that because of his position, he doesn't really get talked about uh, is Antonio Carlos, who, mm-hmm. you know, Orlando for years, it seemed like you, you mentioned the, the, the rotating, uh, the revolving door, uh, with the roster uh, to a certain extent there. And center back was maybe where it was most, at least to me from afar, it seemed like that was the place where it happened the most. Whereas now I watch him and I think, you know, any team in the league would be happy to have him. Um, what is it that he's doing so well? What is he bringing to the table that is, has helped change this team? Yeah. I mean, Antonio Carlos flies so under the radar for so many people. Um, I think that's a credit to the roster that Luis Musa is put together. I think that there's a lot of really standout players in positions, but Antonio Carlos, I mean, I remember him coming in and his teammates being like, this guy's going to be an MLS all-star, like immediately right out of the gates when he got there. And um, it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what he does right, because he does so much right at center back, which is a position that's so unforgiving if you make a single mistake. And Um, You know, his decision making, his speed, he's very physical um, and he has a very good partner in Robin Janssen. And I think they pair really well together where Robin kind of fits the enforcer mold where he'll come out and he's the guy that is going to go brick wall on someone once a game and just like put him on the ground um, and get a big cheer from all the fans. And Antonio Carlos is the guy that's kind of doing cleanup duty. He's on the ground and his ability to get on the ground and back up into the air is really, I think, one of the best in center backs just in terms of his mobility. So there's a lot that he does, and it's been very impressive to see the start of the season, him working with Rodrigo Schlegel, which obviously everyone in the league knows for his uh, goalkeeping abilities. Um, but his, uh, you know, he's come in and filled in for Janssen in the first four games of the, of the season, and it's been seamless uh, for, for a starter. So I think there's just such a huge improvement in their defense over the last three seasons that I've been covering them, the the steps that they've made every single year. Um, But yeah, I I think that center back pairing is where partially where it comes from. And and part of that also is them having Pedro Glaise in goal. It's just those center three defenders are just a, a unit and they work really well together. And I think when you look at the league, they're probably one of in my opinion, just quietly one of the strongest trios at those positions. They're just able to lock so much down. And it's why it's mainly the reason why they're undefeated so far this season. 
I, I do want to follow up before we move on. Uh, how many um, Schlegel goalkeeper jerseys have you been seeing uh, at games so far? So many, so many. It's it's wild. Good. Um, I remember I was confused. Can't remember which home game it was. I looked out and I thought that there were people in the wall in the supporters section that were wearing the opposing team's jersey because it was that it was a bright like orange. Mm-hmm. Like what the what the hell is going on here? And then I look closer and I realize that it's just a little like mob of Schlegel keeper jerseys. Uh, <laughs> no, they they love that man so much. I tell everyone this too when he comes up. He he has the date for that game tattooed on his yeah. arm and he's very Outstanding. proud of it. Yeah. He, yeah. he posted an Instagram like flexing, showing it off. It's it's great. No, it's they they love him and he he loves those fans back a lot. It's very fun to watch. When Jason mentioned he was gonna mention someone who maybe didn't get as much shine because of of his position, I really was scared he was gonna steal my question here, but he didn't. Um, when I went back and looked at the condensed match of Orlando versus NYCFC last week, a one to one draw, you see Nani obviously all over the place, Tesho Akindeli up top. Chris Mueller doing Chris Mueller things all over the field. Uh, but the the thing that jumped out to me the most about the game was Juan on the counterattack. Mm-hmm. Um, how does the Brazilian right back fit into Orlando's structure, into their approach to the game? I mean, it's it's so important. The outside backs are so important to Oscar's general strategy because he's a defense first coach that also wants an attack heavy team. So obviously that's going to come from your outside backs and having one of, if not the fastest players on in in the league at that position for you that, I mean, that's the main baseline thing that Juan brings to that team. But I think past that we've seen a lot of growth from him over the last few seasons. I mean, he used to be just fast and that used to be the main thing that he did. And now you're seeing his ability to change speed, his ability to kind of think on the fly um, is really improving. And the better that he gets, especially once Xiao Matinho is back fully from injury, that really elevates the game. And we particularly saw that last season when both of them were out with injuries for a bit. That really brought down the level of play, even when the Lions have, you know, good substitutes like Kamal Miller and Kyle Smith. It's just not the same without those two guys. So the big question this weekend is whether Kron is going to play. Um, he left at halftime in the last match. So um, that's a big question mark just in general for them if he's back next week. Um, he hasn't been as injury prone as Giamatino has been, but he still has gotten banged up and missed large parts of the last few seasons. So just a big question mark. And that is a huge game changer because if you have Kyle Smith in instead of him, the the approach to the game is going to be different. And that's going to be not a weakness, but it's not going to be as much of a strength for them. Before we get you out of here, um, I like to ask this question to, to all of our guests. If you found yourself standing across from Oscar Pereja, in a technical area, you had to plan a a game against him and his Orlando city. What would you be focusing on? Where would you start your game plan? Oh, um, it's a great question. I try. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few things. Um, I, one of their points has been set pieces. 
So I think a big, there, there's a few different things that I would be trying to do. First, it's momentum because Oscar's whole approach to the game is that protagonism thing. So figuring out how to disrupt that momentum and how to attack and not let yourself get pinned into that high press is like number one. You don't want to get pinned into the high press. You do not want to have Chris Mueller just breathing down your neck all game. That No, no one wants that. Um, and then from there, it's figuring out how to pick apart that defense either in transition plays, so countering extremely quickly, or trying to win corners, trying to win free kicks in areas where you can get yourself set pieces and get yourself into the box with that. That's been one of their – I wouldn't say it's it's a huge weak point, but that was one of the areas that they struggled with the most last season was just especially aerial battles on set pieces. They They had – several runs of games where they just could not defend that. So it's getting into that, but a huge part of it is just maintaining tempo because once an Orlando City team gets comfortable and once you start allowing Mauricio Pereira to just kind of start threading stuff and picking his spots that he wants to attack in the midfield, you're going to start seeing, you know, 10 shots, 15 shots coming um, and and a uh, a lot of chances on goal that you're, going to really struggle to defend so limiting their shots on goal especially with the amount that they've been struggling to finish chances the more that you can limit that the better that you're going to be even if you're not letting them pepper from far out it's just that they've been struggling so much to finish any of their chances that if you eliminate them as much as possible you're going to be in a much better spot but I think it's mainly tempo and limiting that time in the attacking third because again they've, they've been struggling with that if Nani's not able to do it, they really haven't proven that they've got someone that can really score at a high volume yet this year. Well, we'll see on Sunday if DC United can uh, can make that happen. Julia, thank you for coming on the show. For anyone yeah. who doesn't follow you online, where can they do that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at ByJuliaPoe and read my stuff at the Orlando Sentinel. You can find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially and get interviews like this earlier than the general public, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Next week, we will be going to a uh, a two-episode format, even for just our uh, a one-game week. So uh, if you want to get the interview earlier in the week, uh, give us money, I guess. Uh, help us keep making this podcast and and you will be rewarded uh, I think pretty fairly uh, you can get us on Twitter at filibuster DCU for the podcast at black and red U for the website send your emails including advertising inquiries I'm looking at you coca-cola corporation uh, filibuster podcast at gmail.com uh, download subscribe rate review wherever you get your podcasts uh, mostly though tell a friend about the show tell them how we we landed the the reporter who scooped the world on the sale of Orlando City and and props to Julia for for getting that um for Jason and Ben and thanking Julia Poe one more time before before we conclude the show we should also mention that we have uh we're going to try and do a Twitter spaces uh, yes. before the game Thank uh, you. on Thursday which is now tomorrow as we record this so if you're listening to this today for you not for us but for you <laughs> Uh, after the lineup drops, we're going to try and do this. I'm going to be in the press box. Uh, Adam, I assume you'll be just be at home. 
Again, yep. we'll also be at home. Um, but we're going to try and do this and uh, join in. Uh, I don't exactly know what we're going to do. I'm going to kind of leave that to Adam, but uh, yeah. it'll be something. Yeah, we're going to wait for the lineups to drop. We're, we're probably going to do it Sunday, too. So if you, yeah. we've done, I've done it by myself the last couple of games. Um, if you feel like listening, if you feel like raising your hand and asking a question, maybe we'll take it. I won't make any promises, but uh, I, I've thrown the floor open both times so far. Um, but yeah, join us on Twitter Spaces. Get on your phone app not the website you have to get on the app for spaces to work but yeah check us out there so until then for jason and ben and thanking julia poe one last time i'm adam we'll talk to you again real real soon say goodbye jason even if you can add campari don't drink gasoline or campari no matter the vessel no campari is good i had a negroni it was tasty Thank you.